everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we're your favorite podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing The Sword of Summer. How are you doing today, Jane? Well, uh, a year-long campaign, years-long, sorry, campaign by my friends to make me play Final Fantasy XIV regularly is finally coming to fruition, so I feel like my brain is turning into fucking yogurt. Why do you do this to yourself? <laughs> I don't do this to myself. My friends do it to me. You're getting like put into a machine by your friends, and you're letting that happen. I, I listen. Usually, I let it happen like once a week, or like maybe maybe less frequently than that if I can get away with it. However, uh, I have been suckered in recently uh, by the promise of um, that there's a, a an event going on at the minute. Which is, I think, the the most representative Final Fantasy XIV is an experience, and has really kind of got me into the game. Is it like some uh, like epic, like sort of lore based, like uh, storytelling, like event where you like you get to really into like the in depth character sort of motivations and stuff, or the NPCs care people like? Yeah, basically. Did you know that Eorzea is where Fall Guys go to when they die? Oh, <laughs> it's a Fall Guys crossover. They they added. They added the funny bean men into the game and added like a bunch of Fall Guys events to the actual game that you can play. Uh, and it's great because FF14 is an MMO uh, and I am playing on American servers with friends so my ping is through the fucking roof. Uh, and all that adds up to the fact that the experience basically doesn't work. Uh-huh. <laughs> However, despite it not working, every time you play, even if you lose, you get a, a sizable amount of the currency that you use in the Golden Saucer Casino. Oh my god. And what I can do is I can put that currency towards uh, buying a bunny girl outfit for my large orc woman. Jane, I respect you so much. <laughs> I, I, so this I is what you... I've sunk 12 hours of my life into over the past couple of days. I need you to not become a Final Fantasy fourteen person because I want our friendship to remain existent. Uh, but Are you, you, you're a, you're a Final Fantasy fourteen disliker. I'm not a disliker. I've never played it. I just know that we would never see each other again if you get too sucked into it. That listen, I I would never evangelize Final Fantasy fourteen to you because I I am at the point where my friends have like put a gun to my head and marched me through most of a Realm Reborn. Uh, and have told me like you know it's it's worth it for the the really good stuff that comes after this. I I don't care how good it is. I do not recommend that anyone play a Realm Reborn. <laughs> I would never inflict that on you, someone I care about, because it's fucking dreadful. That's the that's the free part of it, right? Uh well the you know, the the critically acclaimed MMO Final Fantasy fourteen actually has a free trial up to level seventy, including a Realm Reborn, the award winning expansion Heavenswood, and the award seeking expansion Stormblood. <laughs> Oh, God. Well, good luck to you out there. All I know about Stormblood is that when they announced that the uh, new expansion for FF14 uh, was going to be like going to Latin America to rig elections, uh, apparently it took away Stormblood's only defining feature was that it was previously the one that you could refer to as, quote-unquote, the racism expansion. Oh, right, so I have heard that. That's going to be interesting to get to. <laughs> you think the dwarves ever put Freya in a bunny costume? <laughs> Uh, I mean, what, what do you think she was negotiating with them over? That's what she was after. Okay, yes. Yeah, so they made her play Fall Guys so many times to <laughs> to get the costume. Oh God, I I don't I don't envy her. Uh, also, <laughs> I don't envy, I guess myself for having done these summaries. So that that wasn't a very good segue. Is it? Well, how how are you besides miserable from doing the summaries? Well. I'm okay. I'm not actually that miserable. Did my laundry this morning, got up early, by which I mean 10 a.m., which is early sometimes. Uh, That's pretty early. It's pretty early, except for when I have to go to work, Which, in which case I wake (laughs) up at like 6 a.m. I'm so sorry. And, you know, I've I've been enjoying my life. This is, to let let everyone in on a little secret, this is our second recording of the week, which is very rare, or our our second main episode recording of the week, which is very Mm -hmm. rare. Um, We, uh, this time next week, uh, I will be on my way to uh, Extra Life, and so I, I will not have time to edit, so I'm going to record this one and edit it ahead of time. I, I think you're probably going to get axe murdered, is my prediction. Why? Uh, podcasters are shady folk, you shouldn't trust them. Oh, you think that our, our good friends over at Moonshot are going to kill me with axes? <laughs> I don't know, it could happen. 
I think everyone from Dead Teen House Party will be there, so hopefully we can, like, final girl our way out of it. Is anyone from Gahooligans going to be there? Because they're the other, like, kids' book podcast on the network. I reckon they would take us out if given half the chance. I don't think so, but I'll watch out for it. I'll, <laughs> I'll watch out for, like, I don't know if PB or CJ has, like, a sniper set up somewhere. <laughs> All right. Summary time. Summary time. I forgot that I had to open them to actually read them. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first the first piece of Gahooligan sabotage. I just like took a deep breath and was like, all right, and they're <laughs> going to start now. As if that works. Chapter 41. Blitz makes a bad deal. In Nobby's Tavern, Magnus and Blitzen meet up with the old master craftsman dwarf Atree Jr. They ask him for a simple exchange. He gives them a necklace for Freya and a new rope to replace Glepner, the one currently tying Fenris Wolf down, and he gets a nice big bag of the purest red gold available. Unfortunately, they didn't take into account how family grudges might affect the price. Blitzen's father, Billy, a master rope maker, consistently questioned the integrity of Glepner, which Atri Sr. made, and Billy died when he went to check for himself. Because of this old insult, Junior demands an additional bit of payment, a traditional dwarven contest at dawn. Blitz agrees, reluctantly, though he seems sure it'll mean his demise. On their way out of the bar, they find Sam and Hearthstone, freshly done escaping from the World Tree's various dangerous denizens, and on the way back to Blitz's apartment, they fill the two in on Blitz's deal. Hearth is shocked to learn that Blitz is actually going to compete in a making. It's a traditional contest of crafting skills, which Blitz has little of, and the traditional price is the loser's head. Chapter 42. We have a pre-decapitation party with egg rolls. At Blitz's swanky apartment, the gang gets to have some food and put their heads together as to how exactly their friend can actually win this thing, but unfortunately, his best skill is fashion, and that's not an officially recognized craft. Blitz goes a bit more into his family history. Junior's dad made a bunch of famous items, including Thor's hammer, but Glepner was a rust job, and that's why Blitz's dad, Billy, was always trying to get Junior to replace it. Junior took this as an insult, used his status to completely ruin Billy's family name, and that's what led to him going to check on the rope's integrity himself and getting eaten. Blitz excuses himself, resigned at this point to what he thinks is his fate, and Magnus looks to Hearth for any hope. The elf says that although Blitz can craft some things, for instance, the time they first met when Hearth accidentally teleported down into Nidavellir, Blitz found him and made him a rejuvenating tanning bed, he's no good under pressure. Their best choice is to sabotage, which is perfectly acceptable as long as you don't get caught. Hearth gives Sam a look like he expects her to do something about it, but this pisses her off and she leaves in a huff. Chapter 43. Let the crafting of decorative metal waterfowl begin. The making is a whole day event, complete with food trucks and picnickers and everything. On Blitz's side, his crafting starts weak with a simple duck statue, but gets better as Magnus and Hearth encourage him to focus on what he loves best, clothing, or more specifically, armored clothing, something both fashionable and practical. He gets a fire in him and ends up crafting like mad, while Magnus holds off an increasing number of more and more ridiculous sabotages. In the process, he comes to realize that he should be appreciating Summerbrander more. After all, the sword has a soul, and it's been helping him the whole time. What's going on over on Junior's side? Well, something kind of strange. Just before the end of each round, a horsefly comes and bites Junior in the face, making him ruin his project and leaving him with a bunch of melted metal. As the competition ends, Blitz is confident, and Junior is infuriated. Chapter 44. Junior wins a bag of tears. Judging time, Blitz's duck that expands into a slightly larger duck, bulletproof tie, and chainmail vest are pretty easily judged to be better than Junior's pile of slag, so he's declared the winner. He doesn't want Junior's head, though, just the promised jewelry and new rope, made of paradox ingredients, things that shouldn't be able to exist, as well as an apology for what Junior did to his family. Junior grudgingly obliges and also lets them know that the person they'll want to talk to about Fredness Rolf's location is Thor, since he's a real blabbermouth of a god. Our heroes almost get away scot-free, but things turn sour when Junior notices that Sam has joined back up with them. And he realizes, based on the color of her scarf and the swap marks on her face, that she was the horsefly? He identifies the gang as cheaters, and as the dwarves surrounding them prepare to take them down, they cut and run with their prizes. Chapter 45. I get to know Jack. 
The chase across Nidavellar gets wild. First, Hearth is separated because he can't hear the directions Blitz is yelling, and then when they cut into an alley, Blitz himself gets yoinked out of this plane of existence by Freya so she can get her new jewelry. Magnus and Sam are left alone against the army. Well, almost alone. Magnus has recognized at this point that he needs to respect Summerbrand or selfhood, and the sword thanks him for it. Literally. Like, it says thank you out loud. Summerbrander can talk. It can also fly around and take out an entire mob of dwarves on its own. Also, he's named Jack now. Uh, however, the ability he has to move on his own is risky because as soon as he's sheathed again, all of that energy will immediately exhaust Magnus in equal amount. They find Hearth, and as the Dwarven National Guard back them into a cliff, they realize they'll need to jump into the river below, which should wash them right out of Nedeveller. To do so, though, Magnus will have to hold Jack again. So as he starts to pass out from the energy depletion, Sam and Hearth help him leap off into the water. Chapter 46. Aboard the Good Ship Toenail. Uh-oh, Magnus is dreaming again. Is he dead? Well, maybe not quite yet, but he is bordering on the halfway point between life and death. So, Loki's here again. The god shows him Naglfar, the ship of nails, a boat made of finger and toenails that Loki will use to lead an army of giants and dishonored dead into Asgard when Ragnarok comes. Magnus questions why he's showing him this, and Loki says he just likes his chutzpah. After all, Sam, who inherited both his discerning tastes and shapeshifting abilities, chose him, but more to the point, Loki wants to let Magnus know that when Ragnarok comes, all bonds will break, letting Fenris, Wolf, and Loki out of their prisons no matter what. So, what does he want our hero to do? Give the sword to Uncle Randolph for safekeeping. I mean, it's not like Mimir is trustworthy and just bringing Summerbrander to the island where Surt wants it to be, no good. But Magnus is pretty wary. I mean, it's smooth talker Loki after all, the literal god of trickery. He tries to sweeten the deal by baiting Magnus with a vague promise of speaking to his daughter Hel, maybe implying he could pull some strings in some way related to Natalie Chase. Magnus's adrenaline starts pumping, and he stumbles into asking Loki just the wrong thing. Why he's bound in the first place. Loki's friendly demeanor hardens as he explains that he killed Baldur, the god of light, because he couldn't stand seeing a guy get everything in life without even having to work for it. Beauty, popularity, love, and near invulnerability. Of course, the gods responded. They turned one of Loki's sons into a beast to tear his other son apart, tied Loki to a slab using their entrails, then set snakes above him which would drip poison on his face for the rest of eternity. Some final bit of hope inside of Magnus dies. Loki tells him he'll need to remember this as he meets more gods. He's about to meet Thor, after all. His smile returns, a bit more mischievous this time, as he tells Magnus to wake up. A goat is giving him mouth-to-mouth -mouth on the other side. So, Jane, what'd you think of these chapters? I, I I feel good that I've been able to say this for so many episodes in a row. Magnus Chase continues to be good. It does, yeah. As, as we've rounded out the, the I guess, just the dwarf arc, uh, <laughs> I, I can confidently say, great section. It's great to just spend time in a place for a while. And yeah, these chapters ruled. These chapters ruled. We have uh, a fun little crafting thing, which, like, like evokes it really does evoke like um like an old norse myth while also having like a fun comedy modern day spin on it yes uh, and i also love everything we get in the chapter with loki absolutely if i had mailed rick Ryden a wish list of like everything that i wanted him to adjust about the portrayal of like the olympians uh, and he said all right i'll put that in the norse one uh, i i this this would be the result <laughs> Basically, yeah, every single time Loki comes up, I just, I adore seeing him. He, yeah. He's so, just like, you're never sure where he's at. It, like, mm -hmm. there, there's nothing obvious about him, which, and when it does feel obvious, it kind of feels like a trick. Uh, and that is great. And yeah, yeah, I'm definitely feeling, feeling good about that. Excited to see what Thor is like next time. Thor has to be a massive twat, right? Yeah, like I'm I'm imagining Hercules level. <laughs> oh god, that would be extremely good. Should we should we start with the making contest? Uh yeah, yeah, sure, let's do that. So the this whole thing starts because Atri we get Atri Jr., right? What do you think of this guy? I lo I love a comedy old guy. He is a comedy old guy. He has like a walker <laughs> that turns into uh that turns into weapons. 
I love the fact that it it turns it's a walker that turns into a weapon and has like jet boosters on the back of it, but the jet boosters are crap, so it only it only makes him go slightly faster than walking. Yes, uh, he has like a comedy nurse that goes around with him, who's just like a dwarf in like a nurse Halloween costume. <laughs> um, and he he's kind of the Godfather a little bit. Is is he? I thought that was Mimir. Mimir is the Godfather, but Atri is like. He's less the godfather and he's more like the local crime boss. Mm, yeah. He, like, as soon as he enters in, like, everyone everyone rushes out of the bar. You know, he everyone tries to give him his respect, but then Magnus is, like, kind of rude to him. And it's that, you know, classic beat of, like, oh, you're rude, kid. I like you. Um, mm. And I, I, that is... Um, it, it works pretty well, I think. Just like this, this type of character. He seems like a guy who would actually genuinely kill Blitz. Oh yeah, no, he seems... And I love... Uh, it, it's such a good portrait of just like the absolute worst kind of guy who has seemingly just been handed everything by his ancestry and is still like smarting over this one little comment that Blitz is dead dad made and still has a vendetta about it. Just what an absolute piece of shit he really is yeah that's i guess you could even draw some comparisons to balder there later on right i really like just like blitz's fall into despair over this like him just being like all right i'm gonna die now and that is like i'm gonna do that Uh immediately resigned (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely um as we learn more and more about him i grow to love him more i think we do learn something about him in these chapters that I think means that you can withdraw a mea culpa that you had last last episode. What was that? Uh, you said that you, maybe you judged too harshly on uh, Rick being like, uh, well, all these homeless people are choosing to be homeless because they do actually have places to go back to. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I still kind of stand by that because like he has a nice apartment and stuff. This is this is part of the problem too. But like, no, no, this is what I, this is what I'm saying is you. You were kind of walking back on that criticism last week, and this week Rick entirely put his foot in it and vi- uh, validated it. And, uh, yes, but I do think that I still stand by some of my mea culpa, I guess, mm. because like there's not really a home for him among this community, right? This is true. Uh, he he's being he's pushed out of it. Um, that that I guess that that's more so what I mean. Uh, but yes, he does also have a swanky rich guy apartment. <laughs> Uh, which, you know, I guess you can compare it to, like, the Lady Magnus knew that we learned about uh, in that way. Uh, <laughs> who, who like, was rich and had, like, a big house, but she just, you know, she wandered around town and stuff. Um, Making expandable I, ducks. Yes, yes. Maybe that was Blitz. No, why would that be? What am I saying? Uh, <laughs> maybe that was Blitz's... No, that's Freya. Fuck. I got really confused halfway through the chapter because I was like listening to all these stories and I was like, well, if this is like a matriarchal culture, why is it all the dads we're hearing about? Like, why why can we not hear like a story about like Blitz's mom? And then I was like, wait. <laughs> that actually, that, that confused me last episode where um, I, I, well, they said something really weird like, uh, we're a matrilineal culture. Where is it? There we go. Dwarves are matriarchal. We trace our lineage through our mothers. Again, it makes much more sense from your than your patrilineal way. After all, one can only be born from a single biological mother. And in the vast majority of cases, there's only a single biological father, right? Or am I missing something? I... huh. Like, unless dwarves are, like, really ahead of us in terms of, like, I don't know, using mitochondria to put DNA from multiple people into a baby. Maybe... I yeah, I'm not sure what this is going for actually. Maybe we're are we are we stupid? <laughs> like is this really something really obvious that we're just not getting? I <laughs> is this like what's up? I mean maybe maybe Freya took so many lo- loads that it's kind of a, a shot in the dark who the father I was, is. I was trying not to say that. <laughs> well, that's the but... only way I think I can think of that makes this make sense. No, you're right. And, and she found like one of the guys, and he was like the saddled rope maker. I was like, I guess this one's gonna be yours. <laughs> God, no, I. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, that is what I was thinking. I was trying not to say it, but I was. I was thinking. It's gonna be great when someone messages in with a completely legitimate explanation for why it's like that, and we're just exposed as like having complete brain rot from having immediately gone there. I guess so. Like, I guess, you know, there is a direct connection of, like, birthing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. 
but again it usually the way this works there's also only one by but also that he's immediately like oh yeah but also how like uh fucking what's his name heimdall uh had like nine biological moms don't ask yeah, so fuck no. Maybe this is just like something about dwarf culture that we haven't heard about yet. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, did you get like super surprised when you heard how old Blitz was? Uh, I don't remember how old Blitz was. He's like twenty. <laughs> okay, no, that is really weird. I I was picturing him as like fifty. I don't know why. Well, he seems like a guy who is like having a midlife crisis because he's like come back to his hometown he's dealing with the legacy of his dad he seems like trace navare he does seem a little trace navare i guess trace is only in his 20s as well yeah oh my god he is um (laughs) what the fuck that's insane trace navare has to be at least 10 years older than me even though i know he's not (laughs) oh my god Um, is it possible that rick ride a middle-aged to old man during the period of writing these books uh just kind of writes these guys and they sound like middle-aged to old men but he was also like in his twenties when he started writing Trace Navarro, wasn't he? Was he? I thought, I thought he was still like middle aged. When was Rick Ryden born? Because I know well, Trace maybe, Navarro was in like the late nineties. If it was late ninety, maybe he was like thirty, like in his thirties. Rick um, Ryden, which which I think is a bit before. I mean, it depends on how you define middle age then. Born nineteen sixty four. Yeah, he would have been like thirties. Yeah, he was. Yeah, so he was thirty. It's been another thirty years since then. Um, so. I, th- I think he was a younger guy. He probably knew... he. I think maybe people just do more things in their 20s than we do. Maybe he's just an old soul. Maybe, yeah. But <laughs> I think that also... I can see Blitz and Hearth as like a pair of young guys. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, it, it's just like a... I did not picture him that way at all. So it was very surprising to me. I think if you give a character a beard and don't immediately tell me that they're hipster, I assume they're old. <laughs> that's fair that's fair um and what about junior's mom for that matter why 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 do we not have why is uh atree <laughs> senior not like not his mom maybe that was also freya no no that's that's not how that would work i don't think i don't think he's as I, I don't think he's a son of freya i think they would have said that um yeah yeah no i probably would have come up because magnus would be like oh god i can't believe this guy's my cousin yes um anyway but yeah he's like he's like an art student guy like blitz is like he designed his own like degree at the local dwarf college which i think is great (laughs) and i don't know i i i really grow to care about blitz a lot through just like the more we learn about him the better he is i think i i reckon i reckon blitz deserves everything he gets a degree in the humanities is not a real degree I, I'm always saying this to you, and, <laughs> and I hope by now you've internalized it. <laughs> Listeners, I'm not I'm not a dual STEM subjects person. The joke is that I have a degree in the humanities. <laughs> God, oh, what else is there before the making? There's a little bit. They go they go to Blitz's house. They hang out. They they eat bad food, and then Magnus is mad the next day when he sees a bunch of good food. <laughs> yes, he they're eating like frozen egg rolls. <laughs> Which I, I don't want, I mean, maybe they're okay in the oven, but I, feel, I have a feeling I just popped in the microwave, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, those are soggy. Uh, th- there is actually, speaking of things that are bad that you live off of anyway, Magnus talks about, God, I'm fucking good at this. Um, Magnus talks about <laughs> um, how he, like, has a hard time conceptualizing living in a world where everything is made to last forever because, you know, like living on the streets he is he was living off of everyone's broken down stuff and all their Mm. junk um and so like he kind of contemplates the idea of like what is it like when there's no junk around and i have to wonder if this is saying like is he wondering if like in the like would he have a better life or is he thinking that there would be nothing for him you know what i mean i was wondering if this was maybe more of just like the, the environmentalism thing coming back or it is just like, this is prompting Magnus to think about how like disposable everything in Midgard is, and the fact that there was so much trash for him to live off of. I think that is true, but that I just like that being true makes me think of like, the what is the society like? Like, how is it going to support someone if they if they you know like don't have anything? Like, will they be given things? Will they you know, or will they just look around at everyone with their we fucking. 
uh, house of 20,000 years with a name. Uh, and, you know, they don't have the resources to build their own thing. Like, are they screwed? Are they good? I, maybe, it makes you wonder. Uh-huh. Maybe Sm- Spartelheim just has, like, a really good, like, social housing program and lots of well-funded homeless shelters, and you don't really need to worry about that. That's what I'm wondering about. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm wondering about. Uh, it, it, it's the, it's, it makes you ask the question. Hmm. They also have, like, knockoff drinks. They have, like, Diet diet Sergeant Pepper. Which... <laughs> Do they, where was that? He's, like, that's what they're, he's describing what food, it's, like, the beginning of the chapter. Oh, yeah, Diet Sergeant, yeah. <laughs> this is also where we, you know, we, we meet back up with uh, Hearth and Sam. Uh, they they had their own little adventures, it sounds like. Where Sam definitely used some Loki powers to get them out of a jam. Sounds like it, Yeah. Uh, and also her swan cloak, which is a cool concept. Yeah. it's. It, I guess I didn't really go, go into this in the summary. The reason she has a uh, magical camouflage hijab is because uh, it's like it, every Viking, sorry, every um, Valkyrie gets a swan cloak, which is like a piece of cloth that you can use to basically tr- transform and, you know, become other things to hide yourself. I like I like that Sam just like made that her hijab. I feel like that's that's a good way of bringing across how like she's very practically minded, and also we've seen that like she's not hugely emotionally attached to this hijab. Like she wears it more as like a convenience thing, depending on the context she's in. And I think that like her using it in like that kind of utilitarian way is like a nice touch. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I I do wonder what happened in their adventures. Like, did. <laughs> I, I wonder if we'll get like flashbacks to it because it sounds like they made some connections in a way that I This is gonna be like the Albania thing from Blood of Olympus where they just never bring it up. We just know that they have matching Albania tattoos forever. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh man. Also they probably had a hard time communicating because Sam doesn't know ASL. Oh shit, true. We learned uh Hearth and Blitz's backstory here too before we get to the the tournament. Yeah, we learn about fucking Hearth dropping into the realm and being put on a tanning bed because there's no sunlight <laughs> god blitz making him a tanning bed even like he like crafted it for him right then and there you know he says that he's bad under pressure but that must have been some pressure like oh this elf is dying <laughs> and i really like the way this chapter ends too um which it, i didn't realize until i reread uh where magnus just notices that hearth when he like bends across the couch to sleep his shadow looks like a wolf and that's like the last thing he has to think about before he goes to bed uh i just i i love that 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 is like the kind of thing he will notice you know magnus has wolf brain he has wolf brain that's the thing (laughs) uh but you want to talk about it you will tell let's let's go into the contest this yeah this is the good shit (laughs) yeah i think just like there is something that feels very much like a Norse myth about the idea of these two battling out and just like the same inconvenience getting to uh, Junior every single time. Yes. No matter what he does about it. Yes. I Like it I feels really like a like divine that. punishment in a way. No, it's like a not, uh, it's not a super like modern narrative structure to just like mm. have him be foiled by the same thing three times. Like you would expect like this kind of setup and punchline sort of structure um where it's like he gets bit you know the first two times but then he like he like you know kills it the third time or whatever Mm -hmm. um no that doesn't happen he's completely fucked (laughs) blitz meanwhile is having a whole character arc of realizing his skills actually are valuable i do think it's very funny that he had never considered that uh sometimes people forge things that you also wear yes (laughs) is he stupid i think he might be it, that's fine i i like him and he he you know he he likes ducks he likes clothes he he can make a tanning bed there's nothing wrong with blitz like as a person he's a great guy he just also forgot what armor was for some reason listen i i do think that fits his characterization i do think he, he is very dumb and i do find that endearing about him is he kind of a himbo we're gonna say that uh i i don't think i'm gonna you're going down a road i can't follow okay that's fine what what is the classic thing um thick of chest strong of heart dumb of ass that's the one yeah yeah i guess he's he's not like he's a he's a you know he's kind of a big guy but he's not like thick of chest he's he kind of has a strong heart but he's 
He's only slightly dumb of ass, so <laughs> he, I guess he doesn't really fulfill the criteria. I'm curious about where the, where the, the, the desire to give him the himbo designator is like come from. What do you mean? Or is this just what is this just like the you run a character through this whenever like we say like a male character is dumb, you do a himbo evaluation on them? Oh yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean this is this is right next to my bimbo evaluation, uh which you know, comes up much more rarely. Uh but sometimes we have to pull it out. Mm-hmm. People, why does Rick Riordan not write more bembos? I wonder. Uh, cowardice. Cowardice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is great. I love just like him. Like I, I can make a fucking necktie. I can make a vest. Um, the ridiculous sabotage is going on the whole time. Just, <laughs> like, yeah, this. Lo- uh huh. This is this is like I think a, a neat balance to the fact that like um, Junie gets screwed over by the same thing every time. Is that like the the more modern feeling like series of different gags and jokes is like happening to Magnus while that's going on? Yeah, it's pretty evenly split between them, uh, and it's God, what are it's just like, and it, I, when they said like, okay, we'll have to do sabotage, but we can't let anyone know we're doing it. I imagine like, oh, so we'll have to do all the sabotage before the contest. Yeah, like, I seem to be to- like breaking his tools before it started or something. Yeah, they'll have to like really I assume that we ever like everyone would be like oh but all the sabotage usually happens beforehand cut to the next chapter they hear a scream outside as Blitz is getting like the shit beat on him or something no <laughs> it's just they're sending uh like tufts they're send they're shooting arrows at him they send a drone after him a little later a random dwarf charged from the sidelines swinging an axe and screaming blood I hit him on the head with the hilt of my sword like I, it's not subtle, but I guess you can't immediately prove that it was one of them. Uh-huh. This could just be a concerned citizen who admires Junior. Yeah, exactly. He, he certainly doesn't have a big check stuffed in his back pocket. <laughs> With Junior's name written on it. What do you think he used all that red gold for? <laughs> he doesn't actually need it. He just paid all these guys. Nose surgery. And yeah, I, the the whole thing of like the very slow sport, all the food trucks, uh, it's 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 there's a mood to this where it's just like, I think Rick Riordan gets across the pace of it pretty well. That just like this is taking a long fucking time. Like they stop for they stop for food breaks multiple times. I assume this is what it's like if you go to watch like golf or something. Probably. Like you are you are not there for fast paced high octane action. You are there to you know say to, to to quote movies about golf when people make make hole in ones does anyone ever watched a movie about golf there's like what is it billy madison happy gilmore one of those adam sandler joints that people i think people quote that one the only golf thing i've ever even considered watching is that i feel like i should probably get around to birdie wing at some point that's the lesbian mafia one I didn't know there was a mafia element to it. I thought it was just gay people playing golf. I've heard that the mafia is in it. Interesting. Probably. Well, that's kind of like this. It kind of like this, yeah. <laughs> if the mafia, I mean, I guess they can probably just hire. They can just hire predator drones. That I assume can, the mafia is decently well off. It was so weird in episode eight where uh, the girl was about to hit that hole in one, and then a pair of dwarves in green spandex jumpsuits wielding baseball bats jumped her. Uh-huh. A real thing that is said in this chapter. God, I, I think followed, of course, by Magnus being like, and the the less said about that, the better. Um, I, what was the plan here? I for for who? The the dwarves in the why were they wearing green spandex? These are the blowjob brothers. These are like <laughs> this is just the town's local pair of two guys. You know what I mean? I. Uh, my my the only way i can square this is i have to imagine that like the floor is green out there and uh-huh. what they were doing was that they were hoping that they could be green screened out in the cctv footage <laughs> i think it's like their signature color right this is like um <laughs> this is like uh Kefli and tefli they're the two who? guys who are always trying to get high i'm just naming them uh they're like the two guys in town who are always trying to get hired you can tell that they're Kefli and tefli by their signature green color uh, <laughs> like you 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 want you want great work you want you want for higher activity you go to us and so they're doing a bit of self-advertisement which you know ends horribly <laughs> 
Uh, I guess he doesn't actually say what Magnus did to them. I guess he could have killed them. He might have killed them, so that ended pretty bad for them. <laughs> we get a bit more on Blitz's deal with Mimir here. Uh, specifically that he made the deal was he wanted to go and uh, learn how to make fashion like acceptable, like how to make start his own fashion store, you know, change the culture a bit. And Amir said, "Yeah, uh, so you're in my slavery, like my you're uh, my indentured servant for the next four years. Maybe you'll learn something along the way." This seems like a bad deal. It, it seems like it. Um, he really is a bit of a shithead who takes advantage of people, isn't he? <laughs> sure is. Maybe you can't trust him. Maybe give the sword to your uncle. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get that. We'll get that. Yeah, and along the way, Magnus is learning. You should respect that your tools. You, you gotta you gotta respect your tools in case they're sentient. I I thought this for years after I watched Toy Story and became terrified that everything I used was sentient and would hate me if I threw it away. I think this is pretty common. Uh, this is this is. I think that like you know the whole Clone Mari like the uh, Marie Kondo like. Uh, life-changing magic of tidying up or whatever you you tell all your items like thank you for the work you did before throwing them i think that is like a a direct response to the damage that toy story did to everyone's brains (laughs) god thank you marie kondo i i've never watched any of your stuff i literally just know the phrase this does not spark joy from memes (laughs) uh there's a pretty good manga version of her book too all right then the judging comes. This is just very funny. <laughs> yes, it's it, it's pretty much just the humor chapter for the most part. Because well, Blitzbade is not very good, right? He, you know, the the last two things are decent. I have to imagine Junior was making some revolutionary shit. Uh, it sounded like, uh, but it was like a troll seeking missile or something. <laughs> just he was really gonna change the way warfare worked. Uh, just like really, you know, the scope of the modern battle. Um. But instead, we get duck that turns into bigger duck. See, I think I I feel the opposite to you. I think the duck that turns into bigger duck was the best thing. You think so? I think so. I I would like a duck that turns into a bigger duck. I don't disagree. Do you think it can like turn into a bigger duck from there, or do you think it only has the one setting? Hmm. I think it only needs the two. There you go for simplicity. I agree. However, I if agree. if it can't float in a bath, it's worthless that's true yeah no oh but it has to be kind of plush like you want to be squeezable and huggable (laughs) see i'm thinking rubber duck not not like plushy duck well you can squeeze and hug a rubber duck too i mean this is true Uh, but i don't want like metal duck floating in my bathtub necessarily no i'd be worried i'd get like tetanus or something yeah from from all the 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 famous sharp angles on a duck (laughs) ducks bite people I don't think your metal duck statue is going to bite you. I think it'll probably have its softly round beak touch you at most. Well, what if uh, the the angles look normal and fine on like the small version, but then you expand them and it doesn't quite scale up correctly and now you've got some jagged bits? Then what? Well, shit. I guess you're right. Yeah, th- there's just a bunch of good bits here. Like Blitz being like, has anyone here ever needed a tie with their armor but not had one? And like one guy in the back of the crowd raises his hand. <laughs> good for him. I do think that um, Blitz should have killed Junior. Just putting that out there. I think so, yeah. Because Junior, Junior is just like, I don't want to live in a world where this guy can win crafting contests. Just kill me. Uh, and I think we should have stayed on that a bit longer instead of just taking mercy, because Magnus was all for killing him in the last chapter. Yes. So, you know, I, think- I just, I think we should let let Magnus off the leash for that one a little bit. We talk about, like, oh, you know, Magnus, he's kind of like an anti-violence character, but he will very much just kill someone also. Yeah, I, I mean, genuinely, I very much like that um, Magnus is the one who has been like, let's kill this guy, because, like, I think that carries a bit of weight to it, just because, like... He is, he is a character who has, like, experienced a lot of horrible violence and has, out of all the protagonists we've had, has, like, the most, like, negative reaction to seeing that going on around him. So I think, like, him being that ride or die for Blitz where he's like, yeah, if it's if it's you or him, I say we kill him, does, like, carry something. Yeah, for sure. I also think that, like, when it comes to, like, serious moments in this chapter... Uh, the part where Blitz finally gets the apology from from Junior really mm. works for me. Like he like just like 
looks up and it like mouths like you know like i love you dad goodbye yeah that, that's really good i after like how much we've learned about blitz in these past few chapters i i i'm an enjoyer it's good and then we we go back to corny jokes with maybe rick riordan's corniest joke yet uh with the with the paradox ingredients the paradox i think this is fun it's it's, it's corny but it's fun it is fun. Um, so, so do you want to what the original paradox ingredients that created the original Gleipnir were um, the sound of a cat's footfall, the mm-hmm. beard of women, the roots of mountains, the sinews of the bear, the breath of the fish and the spittle of the birds. Uh, and they describe this in the book as like you're, they're made of things that shouldn't exist. And uh, but what are the ones that we have? for the new rope chain the the paradox ingredients for the modern day are wi-fi with no lag a politician's sincerity a printer that prints healthy deep fried food and an interesting grammar lecture which is pretty funny it's pretty good i do think it's very funny that uh rick i was so excited to go to hamilton with obama riordan is making jokes about how all politicians are liars uh-huh my <laughs> i i told my my linguist my lingua my linguistics major girlfriend um about this and they were very much like i've gone to some very interesting grammar lectures actually i you know good good for your girlfriend english language uh, melted my brain when i tried it <laughs> um but the thing i want to talk about here is that in the original myth one of the sources of this it's not that these ingredients were like taken because they were things that didn't exist these things were taken from the world and therefore afterwards didn't exist because they were taken. Mm. So this is, this is in, in one interpretation, this is Junior taking away from the world the ability <laughs> for there to be Wi-Fi with no lag, a politician's sincerity, a printer that prints, healthy deep fried food, and an interesting grammar lecture. He's, this... I, I Okay, I love that actually. That has the same energy to me as like, um, I guess spoilers for uh towards the end of the first arc of chainsaw man uh but like the 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 offhand mention of like oh uh we've lost so much uh including like the five other states you can go into when you die other than death like it has that same vibe to me yeah god i forgot about that that's a fucking i love chainsaw man it's so good uh maybe maybe for taking all that away junior should have been killed (laughs) Uh, the chase happens. Blitz get Blitz gets fucking yoinked. I do, I do love that. Like as soon as the like it turns out that the jig is up, every single member of the team like just immediately runs for it. It's like Scooby Doo like, shit. It's Scooby Doo shit. I just love the fact that this is this is a team who are dirtbags and kind of knows it. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> they none of them is like none of them is like the the great hero. None of them are, like, turning to Sam and being like, oh my god, I can't believe you cheated. Or, no, that's not possible. None of our friends would ever do such a thing. They're just like, oh, we did that run. <laughs> and, oh my god. I I do wonder what... What was behind Sam's thinking here? We don't really learn that. Like, why did she decide to go through it and help Blitz after all, you know? Mm. Uh, I did did she and Hearth like form more of a connection while they're out there and like he convinced her um did was it out of a genuine concern for Blitz for the quest I I, I wonder yeah I I'm, I'm excited to get the the Sam interiority in the next set of chapters because I imagine that that's what her and Magnus are going to be talking about probably yeah and then we meet our new the our, the character who's been beside us all along hello Jack hello Jack so summer brander is sentient uh summer brander can talk um and summer brander is now named jack and this i i was kind of hesitant i i i no who am i kidding i love this i think this is fucking hilarious i like that magnus's sword which we just got done talking about like oh my god it's so scary that it's this tool of violence it fucking kills people you know magnus hates to have it he's now bonded with it and its name is jack (laughs) (laughs) it's very good i do i i do enjoy the joke where it's like this cool talking sword with flashing lights and Haas' immediate response is that this is fucking useless because he doesn't know what it's saying. Yes, they cannot communicate at all because 
Uh, Jack cannot, like... He doesn't have lips. He doesn't have lips, and, uh, like, Hearth can't, like... Hearth doesn't speak, He and Jack doesn't have... Jack doesn't know ASL. <laughs> he and Sam are gonna have to learn together. Yes, they, they should take a class. I, the, also, it's very funny that he's just, like, he try immediately establishes his personality, too, um, with him being like, hmm... What's your name? Magnus. That's a strong name. I'll be Magnus now. <laughs> well, what's her name? Well, I'm Sam then. And Magnus almost being like, listen, I don't know Jack shit about him cutting him off and just be like, ah, I am Jack. I, Rick Ryan and protagonists continue to be oppressed when they try to swear. It's like there's... We talk about, like, the various time cube, like, the various ways of the mist and, like, all these different things intersect. Mm -hmm. The greatest actual force that exists in these books is the one that prevents everyone from saying swears. (laughs) At least Magnus is able to, like, sign swears, I guess. Yeah, that's true. So, good for him. He's learned, he's learned the loophole. Uh, I, I, I also just, like, love the new mechanics that are introduced for Jack in this chapter. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, a because just like the idea of the sword just like whizzing around on its own and killing stuff uh basically i only like because it reminds me of alucard's sword from castlevania which, oh, okay like, whizzes around and stabs shit while he is like punching and killing people and it's the coolest shit ever that's awesome uh but also just like the the a very the very cool limiter being like it can do impressive shit but only as much as magnus has the energy for and if it like overexerts itself it'll kill him when he picks it back up is very good that's video game shit right that it's video that, game shit it's also house of life shit yeah you're right because but cooler. That, that's how like magic works for the house of life mm-hmm. uh, i i was gonna make a different comparison to a different uh cartoon this is mobile suit gundam a little this is putting yourself Mm. out of remove and like put like make the weapon does the work for you you can sit back and do something else you don't have to be the one killing people yeah i can yeah that's that's actually a pretty good one that's a good comparison but it still takes the toll on you in the end i i Mm. really like the mechanics tale uh i I, i'm excited to see uh uh-huh i i am excited for like the conclusion to this series being that like there is a final battle that is so intense and uh jack has to use like so much energy that if uh, magnus ever picks it up again he'll kill him so they have to say a tearful goodbye because they can never actually uh, connect with one another again that's fucking good that's really good jane if that's not how that (laughs) that's not how that goes i'll be very sad (laughs) i thought you were gonna say he picks up and dies and they die together or something that would that would be very funny, I think, if Magnus just absentmindedly picks it up after that. He <laughs> <laughs> gets to have a dream with Loki where he's like, "Fuck, shit, fuck." He's like, "Oh, you know what would really complete my outfit right now? A pendant." Wait, no. <laughs> like the way that you describe that, I just like picture it like the pendant flying towards him. <laughs> it cuts to black. <laughs> It's it's simultaneously the way like a a comedy would end and also the way a horror movie ends. <laughs> uh, we should talk about Loki. Speaking of dreams with Loki, Rick Riordan did something clever here. Uh, he did. We were talking about like how how like the way that Magnus only dreams when he is dead, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and. You know what that means is really scary now? Mm-hmm. When we see that Magnus is dreaming, what the fuck does that mean? It makes you like, oh my god, Magnus is, Magnus is dying, right? Like, that. that is a great tool that he has put into his box. That is, yeah, this is, this it feels like a complete inversion for when you open a chapter and see that someone is dreaming in, like, uh, any of the other series, where you're just like, fuck's sake, it's gonna be another exposition dump. It, like... You you also have that, but it means that you also have just, like, the tension of knowing that, like, hey, something really bad's happening to Magnus, actually. You know what it, you yeah. know what this is? Mm-hmm. It is the same kind of uh, shit that we liked in Lost Hero, where, like, uh, sometimes someone will be having a dream and then it turns out that they, like, fallen off of um, uh, the dragon. Yeah. And then he did that, like, two chapters in a row. <laughs> God. If this happens again, we'll have to, we'll have to <laughs> you know, mark him down for it. Mm-hmm. 
it, it also means that we get to see Loki again, who we are just, I, I absolutely fangirling over continuously. This, yeah, this is like one of my favorite, just like Rick Ryden God characterizations we've had in a while. His sense of style is impeccable. First of all, <laughs> the the white admiral jacket with the custom graphic tee. He sounds like he looks wretched. <laughs> I mean, I feel like he's he's sitting in a cave getting poison dripped in his face at all hours. He's always wretched. Yes, um, and I love just how his personality is being put to Magnus here. Mm. Um, there's a specific like. It's specifically required in rights that he has a smile that makes you want to smile back at him. Yeah. Uh, and I don't really think of like the typical Loki like mischievous smile when I think of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- the when I think of like a smile that you want to smile back at, it's either like a really agreeable one, uh, or one that makes you so uncomfortable you need to smile back. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, and I think either way that whichever way that is, and I, I tend to lean toward probably just like he looks like a nice guy. Uh, I I think that's interesting either way. Yeah, it's there's Loki is like this chapter does a really good job of bringing across like a lot of what would make Loki maybe like an appealing uh, way to go in this book, and also what makes him kind of unsettling and maybe untrustworthy. Yeah, like it feels like there is a real balance between those things rather than you know it's Loki. Obviously, you don't trust him. Yeah, yeah. Well, t- tell us about some of that. Uh, so, I, I mean, again, to go back to, like, um, what we were saying a couple of episodes ago about, like, Sam calling out Mimir's plan as, like, obviously insane, uh, we kind of cycle back to that with Loki as he makes what I, I think is a completely reasonable um, alternate suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it leverages, like, how shady Mimir is to make Loki look a lot better in comparison. And that's what makes it so appealing and so dangerous, right? Yeah. He like, sounds... It feels uh-huh. like a real choice. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's just enough in it to make you be like, wait, what's going on here? Like, why the fuck does he care about Uncle Randolph? Mm. Why is the, why is the first time that we met Loki in, like, he appeared in Uncle Randolph's room, right? Mm. Oh, yeah, he what did. Is the, what is the connection there? Um, And just like... It, it's very jarring when he brings it up uh, in a way that sort of disrupts his argument otherwise, where which is, like you said, completely fucking reasonable. Don't trust Mimir. He's a, <laughs> he's a scary head. Um, he spends most but, of his time running, like, gambling things that, and, like, putting people into indentured servitude. Yes. But what this chapter really makes clear is that, like, everyone is playing Magnus. Mm. Like... There's nobody in the world who is not, like, trying to use him to their own advantage. And that's a really classic, like, Percy Jackson thing. Mm-hmm. Like, he, his, the reason he became so, uh, sort of dis- disquieted, sort of discontent with the way things are is because he felt like he was just being pushed around by the gods and by fate. Mm-hmm. And Magnus is sort of going through that at, like, ten times speed. <laughs> there, the point where he says that, like where Loki tells his story and he says that he feels something inside of him curl up and die. That is a great lie. That is a, this is like character defining. I think they're like, this is a pivotal moment for Magnus. Yeah. This feels like, this feels like if shit, like the diary of Luke Castellan was not like something that we have to bring up to sound insane whenever something happens with the gods, but it's like actually being like incorporated into the story. And we're actually going to consider that in terms of like how we view the rest of them. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm sure that like, we you you've you've read a book uh, all about Loki and that mm-hmm. that he would pretty closely to like the myths and stuff like that. As far as I know, yeah. Did they go into like the Balder stuff there? Oh yeah. I've heard this story before. This is an amazing telling. I think Rick Riordan did a bang up job of like conveying the story with like the exact uh um, like tone that loki would tell it in to like try and make it a persuasive sort of argument oh it it definitely Um, like it put me in mind of the gospel of loki where like again you you get it from his perspective you get him just like seething over how much of a smug prick balder is and i think it really ends up working uh for the most part I, i but just like he sounds like an absolute shithead through like why the okay you killed someone that's fucked up and like you can tell that he kind of knows he was being fucked up too mm-hmm. 
Uh, but he just didn't care. Like he he felt like he was doing the right thing. Um, and what the, the thing that I really really like about this is that I think it, if anything, hearing this story kind of like puts a bit more weight on maybe you should go the Loki route here. Yeah, entirely because like you know Magnus asks about this thing, which if, if Loki was trying to manipulate him, he absolutely would not say. And instead, Loki like. You know, he looks uncomfortable about it, but he tells the truth, and he tells, like, the entire truth of what happened. And he's completely upfront about what kind of person he is and what motivated him to do that. Which is, like, you know, that that's... It seems like a big deal for the god of mischief and deception to, like, actually level with Magnus about something that serious. And that's the way he's presenting himself to Magnus the whole time. Like, nobody else is, is like, coming up and, like, being your friend. I, mm-hmm. I think of you as an equal. Rick Riordan is doing a good job of making Loki Loki because it's impossible to say how much of this is like the truth being used to manipulate, right? Yeah. Versus like him genuinely opening up. Uh, or, you know, how much that even, like, how much e- that can even be separate for Loki. <laughs> there, There's one bit of this, though. Mm-hmm. Which is Loki comparing the like uh, killing Balder to Magnus's crimes, <laughs> which I basically what he says is like, was me killing Balder really that different from you pickpocketing rich people and breaking into their houses? And it seems to make Magnus like genuinely think like he's like, no, that's different, or is it? And I. I don't know if I like the direction that seems to be heading. I'm choosing to give this the benefit of the doubt and taking it less as a, like, well, stealing a rich guy's car is basically the same as killing someone. And and more as, like, Loki has, I think, maybe correctly identified in Magnus that there was, like, a, a common desire to take uh, these fuckers down a peg. It's just that, like... Loki took it much further than Magnus did, and he's trying to leverage that to like get Magnus to align with him. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I can also see why it makes your hackles raise, though. I could see the world where this ends up with like Magnus realizing he has to like atone for doing that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think this whole section doesn't. It doesn't just say a lot about Loki. It says a lot about Sam, uh, mm. because specifically with regards to like it's really interesting hearing loki deliver an argument that was earlier delivered by sam uh that's true yeah they are both mistrustful of mimir loki specifically calls out like oh yeah sam she really uh you know she inherited my my good uh my my discerning eye and my abilities and stuff and i think this is like a an explicit attempt to either make the reader or just like for Loki trying to make Magnus connect the two in their mind more than they actually are. Mm. From Sam's perspective, she does not seem to have much of a like relationship with Loki, right? Yeah. She has been saying that she doesn't. And I wonder if this is part of the manipulation of like, think of Sam as someone who works with me, uh, either to get Magnus not to trust her or to, you know, get Magnus to trust Loki more, either way. Yeah, to kind of leverage the relationship that they have to get Loki in. And I, I, I that is that is just me planting, like, I am going to be watching to be, like, because I think this is probably not going to stop here. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think the, also the last thing Loki says is literally might makes right. Like, yeah. he says that this is, like, the, the this is the, uh, the ethos of the gods might makes right hey remember how last last episode i was saying that i really like that so far we have not had like a chaos uh order or like uh olympians and titans uh uh binary drawn yeah uh yeah th- this is just more of that I, I'm, I'm glad that this is kind of what we're committing to is that the gods are just kind of like you know, might makes right. They are just like constantly fighting and clawing over each other for power and influence. Yeah, yeah. This is a story that cares a lot more about actual power than mm. it does about these sort of like um, 
I guess like weighty concepts, uh, like like order, chaos, good, evil. Yeah, it cares about like how are people, how are people enforcing the structures of the world is mm. the primary concern of Magnus Chase, and I I like that. Yeah, definitely. That's it's just it, it, much more interesting. Yes, yes, absolutely. It boggles my mind that like there's there's two adaptations of Rick Ride and stuff currently in the works, and neither of them are Magnus Chase. Why is that the one that was left out? I guess like. Hopefully, eventually it will. Hmm. Like, I mean, maybe. I don't know if I actually hope for that. I don't know how much of, like, I need this adapted into a different medium I have. Uh, but it... I could see it being, like, a fucking spinoff of the Disney Plus show or something like that. Yeah. In, like, 10 or 15 years. Anything else you want to say about these chapters, Jane? Uh, I don't think so. These are really good. <laughs> these are really good. Always... The, I'm still very excited. Yeah. Not cishat. Not cishat. Who who's your pick for this week, Jacqueline? Interesting question. Um, I guess actually it's just the normal question. It's not that interesting. <laughs> it's an interesting question. That's why we ask it every week. That's right. That's right. I am going to say maybe the maybe there's like a fetish going on with the <laughs> two guys, uh, the t- the two guys wearing like green spandex, uh, uh-huh. like. They're they're bringing kink into the public. <laughs> this is all I have. This is, this is all you got. This is all I got. I'm sorry. Oh wait, we didn't talk about uh hell, hell and Nat. Okay, my Nazis hat for the week is hell. I think that the reason nobody can find Natalie Chase is because hell is having a long extended date with her. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, sure. That well, poor Boulder in that case. Get, get fucked over every turn in these chapters. How about you? My pick for this week uh, is uh, Crazy Alice from Chinatown. Okay. Who uh, Magnus mentions when they're talking about how, like, one of the paradox ingredients was the beard of a woman. Uh, and Magnus says, I don't know, Crazy Alice, who lives in Chinatown, has a pretty impressive beard. Uh, and I also appreciate that that's, you know, it's tongue in cheek, but that's not stated as, like, a, a vicious mocking thing. <laughs> it's just, like, an observation he's making. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I. It's like it's supposed to be a joke, but also it's not like hammed, hammed up. You know, it's not him being like, haha, gross. He's just making a comparison. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, my picks, my pick is Crazy Alice. Maybe she's a cis woman with some kind of uh, condition that means that she grows a beard, but I, I choose to believe that she's trans uh, and simply has a magnificent beard. Magnus must have a bunch of trans friends, right? Probably. He's on Tumblr. He's on Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Magnus, Magnus, Magnus. One day, I, I, I do have a my, my pet theories about Magnus and gender. Um, we'll get there. We'll get there. Our intro and outro is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pony. You can find that at OC Remix. Our cover art is by Vera at Innsmouth underscore in on Twitter. We are hosted by the Moonshot Podcast Network. Uh, find them at moonshotpods.com or goodfuckingpodcast.com. I want to say uh, this week, the weekend this comes out, is Extra Life Weekend. Tune in. Uh, This would be the section where I talk about how Extra Life is happening, but it already happened by the time this episode goes up because I was at Extra Life and so couldn't edit. Go watch the VODs. Go watch the YouTube videos we have of it. I lost my belt, but that's okay. I'll, you know, kill Riley Hopkins one day and get my belt back. Uh, yeah, thank you everyone for donating who came out, and back to Jacqueline Normal. Also, you can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, co-host Blue Sky on Unwise Girls. Uh, we've got links to our uh, Discord, we've got episode updates when they come out, we've got visual companions on occasion, we've got jokes, we've got funnies, we got uh, sillies, we got quirkies, we got... Uh, I can't think of any more synonyms. Uh, also, if you want to support us, you can go uh, leave a five-star rating and review on our podcast app of choice. That one helps a lot. You can tell a friend about us. That one helps even more, probably. And you can go to patreon.com slash unwisegirls to give us a bit of monetary support. For a dollar a month, you can get the Discord role of Certified Chaser. For three dollars a month, you can get the Discord role of Midguardian. As well as all of our bonus content. Yep, we finished up uh, last month doing uh, a couple of little Halloween-themed things. So if you'd like to listen to some talk about some spooky stuff, uh, which included uh, Scream 2, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, 
uh, and the Doctor Who episode, The Waters of Mars. Uh, check those out. And for five dollars a month, you can get the Discord roll of Thor's hammered. Should we like? We should check because of how much we've been talking about Loki. We should be like Loki's. <laughs> Loki's face stitches. Loki's. What's there's like must be like a classic Tumblr thing of like like. Oh, and I'm thinking of like Hiddlestoners. That's not. We can't do That's that. That's bad. <laughs> That's bad. Um, you can get that Discord roll of Thor's hammered, all of our bonus content, and a special thank you at the end of every single episode. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank Mint, Isle of Sammy's Great, Danny, Tana, Mercy, Bree, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye-bye. Bye. getting kicked in the face at Warp Tour? Did you shatter your glasses in a mosh pit in 2007? Did you wear more studded belts than a Final Fantasy character? Then we have the show for you. We are So Emo I Fell Apart, a podcast about third wave emo, late night live journal updates, burnt hair, and everything in between. Join us every second Saturday as we examine major moments in the history of emo and keep you updated on current events. Because it was never a phase. 